At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. It was just another Sunday night for Michael Knight. Infiltrate an underground racing ring, find evidence of illegal activity, and bust everyone involved. Pulling his car kit up to the starting line, the Knight Rider looked around for his would-be opponent. But nobody seemed to be taking the bait. It is then that the roar of an impossible engine could be heard and the Mach 5 driven by Speed Racer takes its position alongside the Firebird, roaring to go. As the handkerchief drops, both drivers speed off into the distance. But we all know that before the checkered flag will wave, one of these two will have to be defeated in battle first. It's the Hoff versus Go. It's Kit versus the Mach 5. It's Knight Rider versus Speed Racer. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic books, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Stekanis. We have the very first match in our Mainstream March series where we bring you popular characters 
from the 1980s. I can't wait. I'm all about this. In today's episode, we have our first competitor from the magical decade known as the 80s versus an opponent that was really way ahead of its time. Some ways good, some ways actually kind of troubling. A time known as the 1960s. In one corner, you have Knight Rider, the tag team of Michael Knight and Kit, the robot car with an advanced AI, versus Speed Racer, the teenage race car driving driver piloting the equally impressive Mach 5. As usual, I did the patented Hoodwin Google test just to see how many times this match has been discussed and this matchup has been talked about a lot as in a lot there anywhere you go through google you'll see people like kind of outlining it they're talking about this it could be a short discussion but it is all over the place however i checked and guess what i did not find one place that came to a conclusion one conclusion that said decisively this side wins this fight with that being said ray stickanus i gotta know what do you think about today's matchup of course i'm excited about this matchup right here look people say you don't use enough anime characters on the show well we're gonna use one of the most famous old school anime characters of all time this week so if you're listening right now stay tuned because literally we need the we need the ratings we do need the ratings. They're good. They can always be better. Um, you know, Ray, we, we, we've we got, uh, you and I both live in Los Angeles, and, you know, we've got um, David Hasselhoff rep today as Michael Knight. And we were talking before the show, we each have some fun, interesting run-ins with celebrities. And, of course, I've got one with uh, David Hasselhoff. I think you've got some as well. And we just kind of wanted to, you know, tell the Legion of Audience well, about some fun run-ins that you may have with your heroes yeah, that you look up to we, if you're ever in Los Angeles. We talked about this. If you live in Los Angeles, then you'll see George Clooney at Starbucks one day. Like, that's just how this city works. This is where everybody lives because this is where the best place to live is. Sorry, people in Nebraska. That's just the reality of it. Look, I always like to say Detroit is a great place to be from. My point being, there are lots of celebrity sightings that you're going to see here in beautiful, sunny, very windy, very cold today, Los Angeles, California, to me, the greatest place on earth. Now, we, 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 we were musing before we even started recording earlier, James, that heroes of the 1980s, personal heroes of ours, we've had run-ins with them, and you thought it'd be fun to discuss that in lieu of some dumb questions from the audience, and I'm here for it. First of all, the questions are not dumb. Secondly, these are, uh, these, are, these are actually really fun stories. All right, I'll go ahead and start this. My first one's with uh, a nice run-in with David Hasselhoff at a gym in Santa Monica. Uh, it was on Third Street Promenade, a fun place to go in Santa Monica. Yes, it is. Uh, I finished my workout, go into the change room, and right beside my locker, literally right beside my locker, is a naked David Hasselhoff. Now, he's turned into his locker. He might have been on his phone. I don't know. But it was really awkward. I'm like, oh, wow. And I had to take a shower, too. So I'm like, hey, excuse me, you know, <laughs> Michael Knight. And I slowly get my stuff, and I close the locker, and I make no eye contact, go into the shower area. I stay there for about, I'd say, 35, 40 minutes, thinking, surely my David Hasselhoff has gone, or at least gotten dressed by this time. I go back into the change room. He's still there. Same position, still facing locker, still buck naked, and I had to get changed, grab my stuff, and he did look over, uh, eye contact only, didn't look down, and uh, I saw Michael Knight naked. You know, at least, you know what, that's an amazing story, first off, and second, I commend you, James Gavsey, for not hassling the Hoff. That was close. 
So, Ray, <laughs> that's mine. Give us an example or give us a fun uh, uh, a story of Ray Stekanis well, being one of his 80s heroes. I- I'll try to keep it a little bit brief because this is a story that can go on for hours. But on my way moving to Los Angeles from the beautiful uh, Detroit, Michigan metro area, I had a cassette tape player. For the kids at home, you're going to have to look it up. I don't want to add to the story. <laughs> I had five cassettes with me for the entire like 2,500-mile journey from the north of the country to Los Angeles in the southwest. One of those five was Emo Phillips' stand-up comedy album, E equals M-O squared. If you haven't heard it, find it, YouTube it. It's got to be out there somewhere. It's one of the funniest gosh darn things you'll ever hear. He is one of my personal heroes. To then do comedy in Los Angeles and meet and become friends with Emo Phillips. Long story short, we asked Emo Phillips, my wife and I, if he would officiate our wedding. True, true. And he said yes. So a lot of people get, you know, their friends, they get their minister, they get whoever. I got one of the best comedians of all time, Emo Phillips, to uh, give a very heartfelt and honest and fun and hilarious uh, uh, officiant ceremony uh, at my wedding. And that's one of those moments that you... You never want to give away. That is crazy, unbelievable, and I mean the fact that you're married. That's Nobody also great that you met uh, yeah. Emo. That was great yeah. that he uh, officiated your wedding. Okay, now look, we oh. all have great stories, and <laughs> we all have oh, amazing Wait. times. People, come. what's that? I hear something coming <clears throat> from the sky. I, I, I remember the 80s, too. I mean, it was a fairly prominent era in my career. Uh, that was when I met one of my heroes, uh, the mighty Megatron. Star I remember callbacks. Well, yes, yes, it, it says Whoa, I. Uh, your new leader, or your, I guess I was your new leader last time, your current leader, your continuous leader, Starscream. Yes. Let's, can we move on with the story now? No, I'm sorry. I just, I'm so excited to see you here. Oh, well, I'm, I'm excited to be here, Ray. And James, I still remember what you said last time about Megatron, which plays into my story right now. That was it. That first callback for Transformers back in the early 80s. And that arrogant pr- <clears throat> person... So full of himself, always looking in the mirror. And if you want to talk about arrogant, I was a very giving improviser. Always yes and. But he had to steal the scene all the time. I was supposed to be second in command, but they put Thundercracker in the intro. And you want to talk about cassette tape players, Ray? Talk about what monosyllabic sound wave, stupid sycophant. Never meet your heroes, kid. Wow, wow. That, you know, it sounds like you're bitter. I could be wrong, by the way. I, I mean, just a kind, a, a, a little bit, I guess. They're always redesigning me, but he gets to say the same in every series. Seems I'll unfair. tell you what, though, yeah. Starscream, Megatron and his original iteration where he transforms into a handgun, you can't buy him in Canada. You know what you can buy? Uh, what's Starscream? That? <laughs> you are celebrated. You are celebrated in Canada, Starscream, and that means something. I'm an international star. The appeal is worldwide. Not like uh, some projectile shooting. And his toy was so floppy, too. I mean, you play with it for two seconds and it just falls apart like Tinker Toys. Mine was sturdy and die-cast metal. And he had bits of die but the chrome fell off. And I'm going to my trailer. There he goes. Wow. 
I like uh, it when the celebrities show up. You know, this is this is mainstream March presents the 1980s versus everybody, and those were three amazing stories about David Hasselhoff, Emo Phillips, and Megatron, three of the biggest stars uh, of the 1980s <laughs> and beyond, quite frankly. And all I gotta say is, you didn't see Emo or Megatron naked. Not, I don't know why not, that's a thing. Not that's that important. I'll admit to. Not that we'll admit to. It's funny. Starscream said never to meet your heroes, but I'm going to defer and actually say that's incorrect because speaking of meeting your heroes, it's time to introduce our next guest judge making their fifth appearance on the Who Would Win show. Uh. It's voice actor extraordinaire Mugman from the Cuphead show now on <laughs> Netflix. Thank God. An absolute fan favorite of the Who Would Win show. Of course, I'm talking about Frank Todaro. Frank, welcome back uh, to Who Would Win. Thank you so much for having me. I'd sleep here if you let me. Cheers. <laughs> Now, listen, Frank, we've been talking yes, about Cuphead and your character, Mugman, on the uh, Who Would Win show for months, and I've been dying to see it, and it finally came out, and I was actually able to see the first episode. I don't want to ruin it for anyone. I'm, all I'm going to say is it's absolutely incredible. Everyone should go watch this. It's great for kids, <laughs> great for adults. How would you describe this series? Oh, gosh. Uh, it's as close to time travel as you can get, I guess. I mean, I, I, I've said that a lot because, I mean, for me, I get to go – and uh, and give a voice to a character that could have existed in the 20s or the 30s or the 40s. But, uh, but you're right. Exactly what you said. The beauty of the show is it's got that classic thing. It's got some amazingly uh, uh, huge hurdles jumped uh, from the animation aspect of it. It's gorgeous. But then there's also, like, uh, more timely humor. Like, humor that, uh, that kids can understand uh, nowadays. There's, there's some, it's, uh, it's less argument over the remote control. And that's like a little little extra sunshine in the in the families across the world, I guess, is less fighting. Unlike Cuphead and Mugman, I guess. Yeah. They get along pretty well. Yeah, yeah. They love each other. They love right? each other, which is why the hijinks happen, you know? They you know, they're at each other's throats all the time, but the two characters love each other very much. You know, I don't want to give away, again, I don't want to give away anything about the first episode because it's mm. absolutely incredible. But I will say it was more to me a documentary about <laughs> the evils that can occur at the fairground. Oh, yes. That happened on a daily basis, by the way. It's funny how much it captured reality yeah. uh, in that way. But it, it was it was just great. Did you have anything to say about the script for that first episode? No, but uh, oh. but my, my soul was taken at least five times growing up and, and then <laughs> put back into my body by a close friend, you know, patting my chest like a squirrel bearing a nut. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, right. it's, it's sort of a documentary series. Every time you're on the Who Would Win show, yeah. people love, like, everything you do on the episode, but they really enjoy the story you tell about how you see this battle going. Do you feel mm. any pressure trying to outdo every great episode you've been on for the Who Would Win show so far? You know, I don't, because it's it's just, just, just hanging out with old friends. I will say the one thing I'm going to try to rather not try to do is to take into consideration all of the uh, the very specific cultural impacts that each of these shows that you guys chose tonight had, because it's huge and varied for both. But on the same token, you know, these shows have a tendency to invent new things in every episode. You know, there's a there's a button on Michael Dun Knight's dashboard that lets him do laundry, or <laughs> the, they turn the Mach 5 into a, uh, I don't know, a waffle Maker or something, so none of that. My favorite uh, episode, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, right. They can got make it. things up on the fly, but whatever, it's only what's in the episodes. We have two great opponents. You're here, you're filing all cylinders, all cylinders, coming off of a big one last week. I'm here with something to prove, and we have an amazing judge, Frank Todaro. With all that being said, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing Action Television. The crime fighter who doesn't allow felines into his automobile for fear of it becoming a Kit Kat car. 
Knight Rider. <laughs> and representing classic anime, the racer who once crossed the border into Helsinki just to make it across the finish line, Speed Racer. I'd like to request Ray get docked two points. <laughs> Look, geographical jokes are the funniest, and I will stand by that. That's fair. All right. Uh, again, using my air quotes. Well done, Ray. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a who would win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the who would win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Now, Ray, what version of Speed Racer will you be using and why do I think it's the 2008 uh, you know, film blockbuster Speed Racer version? Not at all, James Gabsy. Wow. I'm using the original anime 1960s version of Speed Racer. Look, we said it was 1980s versus everybody. 80s versus 60s. I love that uh, dichotomy, and I also love this show. I love the fact that I got to watch it again for this. I'm ready to go with 60s Speed Racer. That's cool. There's actually a really different version of Knight Rider from the 80s. There's a uh, not well-known manga. I'm kidding. I'm using the regular. There's no such thing. It's a regular TV version of Knight Rider that everyone loves. That's where I'm going with that. Now, rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five. The winner of the debate is whomever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes. Rule number six. The judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store to get your very own Who Would Win merchandise and accessories. Go to the Who Would Win Facebook page to get your hands on some Who Would Win merch, cups, t-shirts, all great stuff. You should buy lots of it right now. By the way, it's time to celebrate the Who Would Win Patron of the Week. Every week, we choose one of our amazing members of the Who Would Win show Patreon community and put them in a battle. By the way, Ray, tell the Legion of Audience about the special we're doing for the Patreon community this week. There's this a special month. thing. Thank you, James. There's a special thing <laughs> for the month of March that we're going to be doing for Mainstream March on the Who Would Win show, and that's patron level, the $1 tier. Normally, you pay a dollar a month on Patreon. It's like, thank you, you get nothing. Good day, sir, to quote the Willy Wonka movie. Now, in this particular case, we want you to see all the extra content. We want you to be involved with all the extra stuff, all the Thunderdomes, all the final words, all the third degrees, all the outtakes, all these extra videos around each episode of this show that we do so if you subscribe in the month of March to the $1 tier you will get access to every single video that we post uh, that now eventually down the road you know it might move up and it won't be $1 anymore but that's what makes it a special going on right now so I would encourage people come out for one bleeping dollar check out all the videos and see if that's a thing that you'd like to see more of and then stick around and have fun with us that's my plug for the day. Now, let's talk about the Patreon patron of the week. Today's patron is Mr. Delvin Cox. Ooh. Delvin Cox is our patron this week. James, who is Delvin Cox going to face? The judge of judges will be taking on possibly the most powerful opponent we've ever had in this segment of the Who Would Win Show. Of course, I'm talking about Mugman from the Cuphead Show. Mugman from the Cuphead Show. See, the thing that you need to know about Delvin... Co no, that doesn't work. Mugman would defeat that. 
Yeah. Okay, so a different choice. So Delvin Cox obviously is going to load up for Bear. He's going to come ready. No, Mugman would beat that too. I kind of painted you in a corner with this one, right? Boy, oh boy. No, any single thing Delvin Cox could think to do would be defeated by Mugman. I unfortunately got to say in an upset, our patron loses this week. Sorry, Delvin Cox. Mugman would clearly defeat Delvin Cox. I can't see any way out of it. And this is me talking. But, but I'm a lover, not a fighter. You know what, Mugman? I, you say that, but I got to tell you, you got you got layers. There's something, you, you got the survivability power of some sorts. I, I just don't think anyone, is it Toon Force? I don't know. Look, I just I've don't seen, see how you could ever lose. I've seen Mugman beat the devil, and I'm right. sorry, Delvin Cox, you're not hanging with that. Well, I mean, if he's like threatening my family or something, I guess, of course. And there you have it. Mugman actually admits victory or declares victory over Delvin Cox. Sorry, Delvin. Now, remember, you too can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash show and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. In this life, it pays to zig when everyone else is zagging. Movement saw a stagnant marketplace for watches and accessories and changed it with their unbelievable prices on some pretty classy stuff. You know, by now I love my Astro Blue watch. I wear it when I want to look good. When we do live Who Would Win shows again in 2023, I guarantee I will be wearing my Astro Blue watch. And you know what time of year it is. Get something classy for your loved ones and don't break your bank to do it. Be the good gifter with movement. During their seasonal sale, get a special discount just in time for the holidays. Join the movement today at MVMT.com. That's MVMT.com. Join the movement. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes, you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And now, let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for Speed Racer. 
Speed Racer, or Go Mifune, is an adventuring race car driver. Originally titled Mach Go Go Go, he was created by Tatsuo uh, Yoshida and first appeared in the manga magazine Shonen Book in 1966 with the animated series Speed Racer, Mach Go Go Go. It followed soon after in 1967. Speed Racer, originally known as I said, Go Mifune, was inspired by two popular movies in Japan at that time. That being Elvis Presley's Viva Las Vegas and James Bond film Goldfinger. Now in the series, Speed Racer is typically competing in some kind of a race when a mystery or a crime presents itself. And Speed, with the help of his family, must get to the bottom of it all while also trying to win the race. Speed races in his custom tricked out car, the Mach 5, which is a fast car with enough gadgets on it to make the Batmobile jealous. Fun fact, one common goof on the original animated series here in America is how fast all the characters talk. The dialogue is rapid fire and never seems to break for emotion or characters thinking about what they're going to say next. This was a specific choice from the production team, apparently, because they said all the dialogue in the show was sped up for the final product. Why? Because they were having trouble getting all the words to match up with the limited amount of time they had for the talkie animation of the show. I don't know. Maybe write less words. That's that's my answer. But anyway, that is Speed Racer. I was, that explains so much. I was watching some stuff, uh, some Speed Racer today. Thank God for captions. Yeah, they talk, they talk real, real fast and no one breathes. It's an amazing show. That's crazy. All right, well done right now. Here are the important details about Knight Rider. Knight Rider was created by Glenn A. Larson and first appeared in the original Knight Rider series back in 1982. Michael Knight was born Michael Long, an Army intelligence veteran of the Vietnam War who also worked as a police detective. In the midst of a case, he was double-crossed, let out into the desert, shot in the face, and left for dead. Rescued by Wilton Knight, he healed from his injuries and repaired his face with plastic surgery. He was given a new life, fingerprints, and identity as Michael Knight. After meeting Devin Miles, one of the heads of FLAG, which is the foundation for law and government, Michael decides to go find the people that had set him up and attempted to murder him. Using the special abilities of Kit, an advanced AI operating a super advanced robotic car, Michael brought his would-be murderers to justice, and as a result, so began the journey of a man who does not exist. And here's an interesting fact about Kit. Did you know that I actually sat in Kit a couple of years ago? Whoa! Yeah, it's true, it's true. Here's the deal. In L.A., there's a lot of services where you can actually rent iconic cars from really cool TV shows. So some friends of mine decided to surprise me, and they rented Kit. It was very expensive, and they show up, and we met them in Malibu, overlooking the bluffs. It was this picture. I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm going to sit in Kit. And here's what I discovered. After looking at him, you know, David Hasselhoff, 6'4", I'm 6'3", I'm thinking this shouldn't be a problem. I remember sitting in Kit and thinking... It's really tight in here. <laughs> Kit is a small car. Like on the inside, it is tiny. Mm. Ray, I don't think you'd be able to fit in there. Frank, I don't. You've got your your. You come across very big. I don't think you'd be able to fit in there. I am and five I was foot six. I would fit perfectly in there. If anybody wants to lend me Knight Rider, yeah, that's right. And James, was, for the record, I used to drive a Mazda Miata, so I'm used to fitting my giant body into a <laughs> tiny car. I feel comfortable about this as well. Maybe it's just you. Can you imagine the disappointment I felt getting into what I was hoping was going to be like a childhood dream come true? It's tight as can be. On top of that, Kit's a little bit of a jackass. I'll leave it at that. Oh, no. Yeah, no. Kit, bat jokes are hurtful. Oh, man. All right. Yeah. 
That's it. I'll leave it at that. All right, now you have the facts on both opponents. Frank, do you have any questions before we get started? I have one question. This is a battle between Go Mifune and Michael Knight, or between Speed Racer and Knight Rider. And will this battle be fought by a finish line or the way that you described? This is a battle between, think of it as almost like a weird tag team battle. Knight Riders really Michael Knight and Kit together yeah. versus Speed Racer driving the Mach 5. So, I picture this. I picture this matchup in a box canyon in the desert, yeah. and these two uh, uh, man and machine combinations have to oppose each other, with only the winner leaving the box canyon. So then, keep in mind, this is not a race. Correct. They got to knock each other out. Ray, go ahead and hit us with your point number one. <laughs> point number one for Speed Racer. Let's just talk about some of the basics. Because Speed Racer is like an 18-year-old kid who isn't really sure if he wants he wants to be a racer, but his dad won't let him. But he's also some sort of bizarre superhero because he possesses some of the craziest super strength I've ever seen in my entire life. I watched a clip where he punched. There was a guy hiding behind a giant stone pillar in like a cave or something. Speed Racer punches the pillar, knocks out a chunk of the pillar and KOs the dude from behind the pillar just from punching the pillar. Normal people can't punch giant stone pillars and have chunks of them go missing. It was something out of like a crazy Mortal Kombat game or something. And I couldn't believe this was 1960s Speed Racer. One of the most crazy things I saw, and it was in the very first episode when I rewatched it, he's driving in the car and uh, the plans get stolen that he needs by guys on motorcycles surrounding the car. So from this pass from the driver's seat, he just jumps out of the car, grabs onto the guy on the motorcycle who's driving behind him, which is already a crazy feat with no prep whatsoever. He just sort of launched and then there he was. He grabs the guy. The guy throws the briefcase forward to the motorcycle in front of him. Don't worry about that. Speed racer. I'm just like, oh no, what's he going to do? Well, he's just going to jump from the back motorcycle to the guy of the front motorcycle as they're careening down the road. I don't know how physics work. These are anime physics. These are bizarre tune physics. This is super power stuff. He's also an extremely powerful martial artist. I think he maybe knows Aikido because he's able to turn people's momentum against them and does it all the time. If you go flying or throw your body or throw a punch or a kick at Speed Racer, the ability that he has to immediately either just duck out of the way and have you fly across the room into a wall or grab your arm and then spin you and throw you uh, like, like 50 feet in one direction is insane. He also, I saw him do... The karate chop to the neck move that everybody in the 80s used to do, well, I guess I can say Speed Racer did it first because he karate chops you to the neck and you get knocked unconscious. But his punches, his punches are devastating. He's an 18-year-old scrawny kid, but it went, I couldn't believe it. Time after time after time, when he hits you, you fly 30 feet across the room from one shot. Speed Racer is absolutely a monster in combat, much more so than anything I even expected. I've seen him defeat not just people, not just groups of people, mercenaries, people with guns. He's defeated large animals, panthers, giant cobras, giant spiders. He's fought lions. This is just what you did in a Johnny Quest-esque Speed Racer universe. You fight the giant animals. One time he was tied up tied up with rope and he just decided I got to get out of here so he just flexes his muscles a little bit and the rope disintegrated he has an impressive level of strength that I've never even conceived of before until I was watching and let's not forget how fast he could be as well even outside of the car 
Cars were driving at him. He was able to duck and dive out of the way and somehow dive underneath the race cars and didn't get hit by any of them. He's dodged gunfire, people throwing knives. It's insane. And my last thing I would mention right here is the jumping ability. I mentioned the jumping from one motorcycle to another. He, I've seen him jump out of a motorcycle that was driving at least 100 miles an hour. He lands on the ground behind him and just comes to a dead stop. He's able to halt his momentum immediately, which is not something regular people that I'm aware of are able to do, at least not as many times as I've tried. Still haven't been able to pull off that move myself. But also, he was once fighting giant gorillas, 25-foot King Kong-esque gorillas, and he was able to jump straight up in the air above all their heads and grab onto a tree branch and then swing away. His jumping ability, his raw physical ability, the martial arts ability, the strength, the power, the speed is just too much for nearly anything we've seen in the 1980s, but definitely Michael Knight. And that's my point number one. Look, Speed Racer is definitely impressive. You know, when I was I, I was telling uh, Frank and Ray before the show, you know, I was not familiar with Speed Racer until this battle was announced. Couldn't so I'm like, okay, it. is it someone just driving a car? Oh, no, that's absolutely not the case. Speed Racer is a physical specimen. Everything you're listing him as superhuman is actually just known as peak human from the 60s. Very Captain Kirk-esque. Still yeah. very impressive. Here's the deal, though. Speed Racer is an impressive fighter, but, you know, he's facing off against Michael Knight, who, by the way, fun fact, is a former Green Beret. Who brings a lot of that to the table? Very strategic type of person. Um, let's see. Now, Speed Racer also is emotionally volatile. That's something I clued, clued in on very quickly. As a result, he's easily manipulated, led into traps. He's got a kind of a forward way, one kind of, you know, blinders on way of thinking. Knock through something until I get this thing done. Fun to watch. Very impressive. But uh, not the most uh, tactical of thinkers. And uh, finally, you know, punching someone through a pillar to knock someone out. Who hasn't done that? That's called Tuesday for me. That's not really that impressive a feat. So with all that being said, let me take a different tact here. And let me just start talking about Kit, the supercar, because there's a lot to unpack with this. So my point number one, I'm just going to go over the capabilities of Kit. So Kit has an advanced AI that was developed by the U.S. government, but then was taken out. And what do you do with an advanced AI developed by the U.S. government, the brightest minds there? Well, of course, you do the obvious thing and put it into a Trans Am. At least in the 80s, that's what you do. Uh, this AI is self-aware. Uh, it's a cybernetic logic module. Uh, Kit can think, learn, communicate, and interact with humans, no problem. He's capable of independent thought and action, has a processing time of less than a nanosecond. That means that Kit's reaction time is insanely fast, beyond superhuman fast. He's got this molecular bonded shell that is super durable. Even if Kit's tires, uh, even Kit's tires, I should say, are super resistant to damage and durable. And by the way, Kit is bulletproof. He can take heat up to 800 degrees Fahrenheit. He can drive through lava, which means his tires can drive through lava, and he's absolutely fine. Uh, he can drive through large stone pillars holding up bridges, break them apart, and he's fine. He can tank explosions, large artillery, even missiles. He's super fast. He can drive in excess of 300 miles per hour. Uh, let's see, the, the driver area where the passenger area, that's a self-contained module. If it gets buried underground or water, it can provide oxygen to him, keep someone safe. Let's see, speaking of water, Kit can drive on water at super high speeds because why not? Now, on top of that, Kit has that really cool front-mounted scanner. It looks like a Cylon kind of red and blue light that goes back and forth and that's called an anamorphic equalizer pretty cool name the device is some type of fiber optic array of electronic eyes it's got infrared tracking scope and it can monitor kit's position of vehicles in the area within 10 miles what that means is that kit has no blind spots 
He has no blind spot whatsoever. Can't be surprised to snuck up on. This means also that Kit can easily, uh, you know, gather structural data, do an analysis on a car, a bridge, anything that's around it, and understand exactly what's going on. Understand, you know, what the uh, in their internal workings, electronics. Understand any type of machine it's going up against. This means that Kit's going to analyze the Mach Five right away, figure out what it is. The Mach 5 doesn't have a way to analyze what Kit is, so it's already going to start a few steps offline. Here's the fun one. Kit has a microwave jamming system, because why not? And this electrical system jams up uh, all systems within a car, uh, makes it not work anymore. Anything that's electrical will get shut down right away. Uh, let's see. He can take control of electric uh, you know, machines, devices of all kinds. It's so strong and precise. It, this is kind of cool. Michael Knight had handcuffs on. And he put that, so Kit put the picture of the handcuffs with Michael Knight's hands onto one of its scanners and just did something with that electromagnetic pulse and the handcuffs opened up. He can actually open up and unlock handcuffs from a distance using some type of advanced technology. Here's a fun one. Kit also uses microwaves to heat a vehicle's brake fluid. This is cool. So it causes it to expand and then when it expands, the brakes get applied to the car. So he did this with a bunch of cars. He even did this with a uh, helicopter to stop the rotors from going. Uh, let's see. Kit's tires can produce traction spikes. It can overcome steep terrain. Uh, from under the rear bumper, here's fun stuff. Kit can spray a jet of oil, creating an oil slick, or emit a plume of smoke, creating a smoke screen. Uh, he can emit uh, or a, a cloud of tear gas along with the smoke screen. He's got a lot of offensive capabilities. He's got flamethrowers mounted under his bumpers. This is crazy. He can launch magnesium flares. He's got a high-powered, ultra-frequency modulated resonating laser. As I'm saying that, I'm spitting all over the screen because it's just that cool and finally let's not forget about the turbo boost you know that fun thing he hits the turbo boost and jumps over whatever the heck he needs to jump over plus it also gives him a speed boost as well because why not if you go 300 miles per hour let's go a little bit faster put all that together and that is the beginning of what kit can do that's my point number one very interesting things now most of that about uh kit the car i knew about some of it i did not uh, I do like the fact that you mentioned he can drive up to 300 miles per hour because the Mach 5 can get up to 500 miles per hour. If this was a race and not a fight, Speed Racer would win before point number one even happened. That's that's really what the car is meant to do, but the car is also meant to crush people as well. And that's what we'll be getting into a little bit into my point number two. Not a ton of things to counter right there. Uh, I, I, I have some arguments that I want to make, but they're kind of embedded into my future points. Uh, one thing I would say is the uh, Speed Racer's car being from the 1960s it's a lot more mechanical and a lot less computer necessary like all the cars the teslas of today that kind of rely on that kind of computer work inside of it so some of that like shut down the car uh technology stuff i don't think would apply as well to the Mach 5 because it is an older car that doesn't rely on that computer stuff nearly as much uh it is a much more mechanical device yeah, it's actually, I, I just want to make this point too. It's like the best of the 60s tech versus the best of the futuristic 80s tech. And I do think you have a point with that, Ray. And that's why Kit also attacks the mechanical systems like the brake fluid and what have you. But sure. your point's actually excellent. Okay. Now, Frank, you've heard points number one from both Ray and I. Where's your head at with this matchup so far? Well, you guys are throwing two different brands at me. Uh, Ray, you're talking about the guy inside the car. And James, you're talking about the car. Now, I guess the, the challenge is going to be either to get the people out of the car or overcome the technology for each of you respectfully. Ray, he threw out a lot of things that Kit can do. Uh, the brake fluid with the microwaves, that's, uh, the microwave jamming system. I'm assuming that, you know, if, 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 uh, if Mach 5 is analog, I'm going to take what you, your rebuttal, because it was not rebooted, 
rebooted is that a, is that a word uh rebutted rebutted it it wasn't rebutted it did if you guys say something and the other person doesn't give me a, a nice little volley back then fine uh i'm going to accept that go can punch through a wall even though it's in the anime universe that he's doing that mm-hmm. i'm accepting now that he can do that in the real universe because that is now the reality so you got to overcome the person and you've got to, oh, I'm pointing as though you can see what I'm doing. One of you has to overcome the person, the other has to overcome the vehicle in this next point for me to have any kind of headway. So just to kind of go with where you're going with this, uh, Frank, so the, the way the Who Would Win works, and this is for the Legion of Audience, you want to make sure that each opponent is able to do in this battle yes. what they could ideally do where they you know normally operate. Precisely. Right? So, yeah, so I totally accept that. If, if he can punch through a wall, then in this fight, he can punch through a wall. Luckily, Kit's much more durable. Secondly, I do believe rebutted <laughs> is uh, rebutade. Rebutate. Yeah, From the ancient Etruscan word, rebutone. Yes. Yes. Ah, I see. From the Latin rebutalis. Yes. All right. Great. Good job of your point number one. That was actually really impressive. Go ahead and hit us with your point number two. Well, then point number two, let's just talk about the Mach 5, because that's exactly how I laid this out. The exact opposite, I'm guessing, of Mr. James Gavsey. So first off, the Mach 5. Uh, is not sentient, which is g- both good and bad, depending on how you look at it. Now, Knight Rider's car kit can fight as an automaton fighting by itself, whereas uh, Mach 5 uh, needs Speed Racer in order to be able to drive it for the most part. One thing I will say here is that Speed Racer is 10 times, 100 times the driver that Michael Knight is. Speed Racer is able to do things with his car that Michael Knight could only dream of. The car has to basically take over itself to allow Michael Knight to make those moves. Speed Racer is able to make those moves on his own. Full control of his vehicle as opposed to two different minds maybe working not in concert with each other. They're not, they don't always have to be on the same page. Speed Racer is always going to be on the same page as the Mach 5. Now, some of the things we've seen that car do, it drives up walls. We've seen it drive upside down. We've seen it kind of drive wherever the heck it needs to in order to get out of the way of things. But wait a minute, it doesn't need to get out of the way of things because it can drive through boulders. I've seen it drive through steel reinforced doors in underground bunkers. I don't know how that works. I don't even know how it got there, but it did and it did. One time Speed Racer got blinded and he was able to drive Uh, his car through like canyon roads and stuff around other cars while completely blind. How? Because he smelled a special kind of, I think, oil from the guy he was pursuing and was able to smell that in the air and then track him while he was completely blinded from some third-party reason. It's absolutely incredible. The other thing is the car doesn't get damaged. We've seen all kinds of things that fall off of cliffs. It, It crashes into things. It crashes through things. It gets flipped over and flipped a million times. The car afterwards, and you could call this uh, an animation problem, I call it a very, very durable car that doesn't seem to ever take any damage. We've seen it crash, fall, set on fire, bullets have been shot at it, bombs have been blown up underneath it, and all it really does at one point was just flip on its side, and he flips it back, and it's fine again, because it's the indestructible Mach 5. But the big thing to mention are all the gadgets, because he has a steering wheel with a bunch of letters on it, A through G, and each one refers to a specific gadget. Now, A is one that gives him big jumps, it pushes the car up in the air, just like James was saying with Kit the car, it allows him to jump over chasms. He's jumped up to the height of helicopters before and taken helicopters out of the sky. And we've seen him make jumps where he lands on top of other cars and destroys them like Bigfoot at the monster truck show. He's 
He's pulling a truckosaurus on us. It's absolutely amazing. Now, the B button is grip tires, which allows him to drive through oil slicks and any kind of like slippery materials. Uh, so the oil slick thing for that James said earlier, not going to be a problem because he just presses B and it's over. Uh, he presses C, he gets buzz saws, which uh, are two giant like circular saws that come out the front, which allow him to cut through a forest, just cut through a forest of trees while he's driving through it at high speeds. Also uses it to slash tires of other cars when he wants to. The D button defensive cover uh, puts a little like a canopy up over the top of the car, which is bulletproof, crash proof, airtight, is immune to kind of poison gases and any of those sort of agents. And, uh, and he's good like that. E is fancy headlights. Don't worry about that. <laughs> F is underwater driving. If this somehow it needs us to go underwater, he presses the F button and, and Mach 5 becomes a submarine car boat that helps with the defensive cover because you need that canopy or else bad things are really going to happen. But the neatest one is G, the homing robot bird. It's a robot <laughs> bird that flies out, which is a homing device on it, which it can use as a camera. It can dangle a wire from it, and he often uses it to crash into people, slam into people to either distract them or hurt them. And I'm going to tell you right now, if Michael Knight's driving Knight Rider, uh, <laughs> driving Kit the car with his window down, and that homing robot bird slaps him to the side of the head... He's going to have a problem in that car. I guarantee it. Too many gadgets to deal with, and he knows how to use them. And that's my point number two. All right. I love the gadgets, by the way, from Speed Racer. But here's the deal. Uh, again, one quick diagnostic analysis from Kit, and he understands, oh, wow, there's a compartment for this, a compartment for that. Oh, there's oil. He's going to see all the gadgets right away. Secondly, I love it. You said it. It's a bird. By the way, I think last episode you talked about birds slamming into windows or whatever. You are a monster race. Stop picturing damage happening to birds. It's not a This cool is thing. a robot bird, James, a robot bird. It's okay. You're, you're saying robots don't have feelings? How dare you? How dare you? Uh, How just, dare you? Thank you, Starscream. Thank you. All right, now here's the deal, too. If it's an electronic device, that plays right into what Kit wants to do by taking over You Got it, Electronic Devices. Now, here's the thing. If Speed Razor, Speed, Ra Speed Razor, by the way, Gillette, get your new Speed Razor. 18 blades, it's awesome. Speed Racer, if he doesn't, hit any of the buttons when he's needed to or doesn't or doesn't actually initiate something the Mach 5 won't then compensate is that correct i think yeah, that he, is correct right like so he needs to press the button to do the thing but i mean that's never been an issue before okay but that's just it so it's one mind operating the car and himself but saws you mentioned i love those not going to damage kit because he can take missiles rather take a missile than a buzzsaw because, you know, that proves I can take the buzzsaw. And uh, I have seen damage happen to the Mach 5. Tires have come off. Stuff, parts have come off. It's been damaged a little bit. It takes a lot. I'm not going to say it doesn't, but that's a lot that kid has to offer. Now, let me get to my point number two. And I'm going to kind of, you're right, you're right. I'm going to reverse the points a little bit. Uh, but before I start, let me just say that Kit did get some upgrades over the years. Now, in season four of Knight Rider, Kit had a new feature added called Super Pursuit Mode. It was just really cool. This consisted of improved rocket boosters for enhanced acceleration. He had those cool retractable spoilers for better aerodynamics, movable air inlets, all this kind of cool stuff. Anyway, bottom line is it increases speed by 40%. Uh, on top of his original 300 miles per hour. So I guess that means he can go at 420 miles per hour because you know what? You need any more speed in this whole thing. I need to bring attention to something else or rather someone else. See, just like Ray talked about Speed Racer, I got to talk about Michael Knight because Michael Knight is in fact something a bit more than just a driver. Okay, let me explain. Kids' capabilities and effectiveness are, in my opinion, magnified thanks to, I guess it's a synergy that you would see between Michael Knight and Kit. And this synergy kind of reminds me a lot about, you know, of how Venom 
has his with Brock. I was going to say Eddie Brock. I was about to say Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar and Venom would have been great, by the way. But Eddie Brock and Venom, that kind of synergy with the symbiote, whatever, that's where I see with uh, Kit and Michael Knight. So in the late 1960s, Michael Knight joined the Army. He was part of the Green Berets and spent three years in counterintelligence work in Vietnam, right? Pretty impressive. He got captured at one point while on a mission in Vietnam, and then he escaped and fought his way out. That is insanely impressive. After that, he became an intelligence officer, was discharged from the service, right back in L.A. in the 70s. Once in L.A., he joined the police force, quickly rose in ranks to become a detective. This is kind of an impressive resume. Now, he may not have the physicals of Speed Racer, but he's not going to need them because what he does have is his determination, the strategy, and this way of seeing things and coming up with a plan on the fly against a supremely powerful opponent. So you're starting out with Michael Knight, a badass soldier who became a detective, has combat field experience uh, for any type of fight, and he's facing off against a really hot-headed 18-year-old race car driver, right, who's got emotional kind of flare-ups that gets him into trouble. That's something Michael Knight will know how to use. So let's see. Amongst many other things, Michael Knight knows how to keep a cool head under pressure. We saw that in almost every episode of Knight Rider. When facing an advanced, super powerful tank called the Juggernaut, it was Michael Knight who came up with a plan to successfully you know, destroy it and deal with it. And that was after Kit did an analysis of the Juggernaut and said it detected no visible weak spots. So Kit's like, hey, I don't see where to attack the Juggernaut. And Michael Knight's like, Got a plan. Don't worry about it. Follow my lead, Kit. You advanced AI. When facing off against even like more powerful opponents than Kit, it's Michael Knight who takes over the driving and heads up the mission. Now, why is this important? You got to think about this for a second. Kit's AI is super advanced. Even compared to today's technology, we don't have anything. All joking aside, Siri is nothing like Kit. I wish it was. would be awesome. And part of Kit's programming is to take control of the car if it feels it or its driver are making wrong decisions and calculations. And Kit's like, okay, I'm taking over for safety reasons. This means that Kit, with its advanced tech, its AI, nanosecond reaction time, computerized systems, all of that, decided on many occasions that it was better to let Michael Knight take control. Think about that for a second. Let that sink in. All of that means is that Michael Knight has this brilliance, this innate ability to survive and conquer and vanquish whatever opponents it's facing, so much so that an advanced AI is like, you know what, I know I could do everything. This guy's got it, let him take over. On top of that, Michael Knight and Kit can operate independently, right? And let's think about that. Michael Knight can go outside the car. He'll probably stay inside the car. He's gonna probably start to talk to Speed Racer and try to get him to emotionally react. He's done that dozens of times on the show as well. And he'll stay in the car. As he's doing that, Kit's analyzing the Mach 5, looking for weaknesses, finding strong points, and they come up with a strategy together. Michael Knight might take the initiative. This is a different type of synergy that they have that the Mach 5 has or that Speed Racer has with the Mach 5. See, it's not Kit versus the Mach 5. Again, it's Kit and Michael Knight versus Speed Racer who is operating the Mach 5. It's really these two against Speed Racer, who's in a vehicle, right? Because if the Mach 5 doesn't get a reaction or some type of input from Speed Racer to do the right thing, it's not going to react the right way. Again, 18-year-old who's a really good race car driver using a car from the 60s versus a hyper-advanced AI that is still years away from being a reality with an advanced robotic car, co-pilot by a badass Green Beret detective. Put all that together, that's my point number two. A lot of interesting things that you just said right there. Now, a few things I need to refute, obviously. Uh, Michael Knight's a Green Beret. Didn't stop him from getting shot in the face and left in the desert. I would point out again. Oh, my God. 
mean, that's that's his origin story. What? It's just him and the courier from Fallout New Vegas. Those are the only two who can come back from that kind of a thing. You pretend like Kit the car has never been damaged or destroyed. There's a wonderful uh, clip on YouTube that shows every single time that Kit the car was destroyed throughout all four seasons of Knight Rider. And let me lay them out briefly for you. The first clip is he's driving down the road in a kind of this lost highway and a giant semi-truck driven somehow by an evil mustachioed leather jacket wearing David Hasselhoff is driving in the opposite direction. Semi-truck hits Kit the car and obliterates it. You'd think if Kit the car could just take over, he would move out of the way of the semi-truck. It's not hard to get out of the way of a semi-truck. Neither Michael Knight nor Kit the car was able to. He got blown out and destroyed. Second time, missiles were fired from another car at Knight Rider. He was able to dodge the first one using his special turbo boost because Michael Knight pressed the button, but the second missile hit home. Michael Knight had to eject himself to get out of the car, which then flipped over. The door flew off and it was destroyed once again by a missile. This is very different, James, than what you're pretending is the case for all these times. The other times it was picked up by a forklift and dropped into La Brea tar pits, I believe. Uh, how did Kit the car just allow him to do that? A forklift just picked him up, so maybe Kit's not as autonomous as you want to make him out to be. And then the last time was possibly the most amazing. This weird tank vehicle just rammed into it, drove the tank turret through the windows and through the front of the car like four or five times. Michael Knight looked like that one RoboCop scene where he's just jumping back and forth inside the car, absolutely doing nothing. You say he's cool under pressure. He panicked when the tank started ramming him and he got blown out. So Kit the car has been destroyed multiple times. Uh, and it just needs to be mentioned because you're pretending he isn't. Here's the deal. You mentioned a lot of great stuff that were actually all kind of misquoted on your end. Don't worry. I'll clarify all of that in my point, point number three. And by the way, I'm going to tie this into Optimus Prime just to give our judge a little something oh, extra to sink their teeth into. Oh, man. Dangerous. Oh, yeah. It's very dangerous. You got to remember. Hashtag IMF. All right. Frank, you're at the turning point. Oof. You've heard two points from Ray. You've heard two points from me. Now it's up I to have. you to tell us who you think is ahead and what the other side has to do to pull out a victory. Ooh. Well, you guys are making this really hard because you're countering each other's points very well. Originally, it turned, it, it felt like it was Go Mifune versus Kit. And now we've, we've gotten into the synergy, we've gotten into what the Mach 5 can do, and Ray did bring up a very good point. And, and so did you. Only, uh, James, you painted it as a positive, Ray, you painted it as the negative. Only Go controls Mach 5. His reaction time, his brain, his strategy, it's all him. But you've got Michael Knight. You've got Kit. They are talking to each other. They are, you know, giving each other control or not giving each other control. And they have this synergy, this weird symbiotic relationship that you were describing. What I want to know is, do they always get along? Have they ever disagreed? Because that could cause the, 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 that moment that the semi-truck can hit him. So I, wa I, wanna, I wanna hear more about that. That, that. That's where I'm at. I, 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 need, I, need to, uh, I need to hear how the technology can interact with each other and how the personalities can either interact or conflict with each other. But it's any it's anybody's ball game. Uh, it's definitely not a race, and uh, you got to stay in the pit. So driving up a wall ain't gonna help you. Ooh, nice. Okay, all right, Ray. 
It's anyone's game, just as Frank said. Go ahead and hit us with your point number three. Point number three for Speed Racer. I just want to start off by quoting you from the great Speed Racer theme song. <clears throat> he's a demon on wheels. <laughs> he's a demon, and he's going to be chasing after someone. He's not a that... demon. He's not a demon. Oh, isn't he, though? <laughs> isn't he, though, Frank? Because I'm going to tell you right now, after watching clip after clip after episode after episode of Speed wow. Racer, he is a complete sociopath at best. I have been watching Speed Racer wrong. at worst. <laughs> Let me tell you, uh, he is absolutely one of the this most single-focused, uh, doesn't-care-about-other-people characters. He claims to care about his family, but when given a choice in a race, in a simple race for money, he was got a Trixie calls him over the phone and says, uh, over the car, and says, you have to throw this race to your opponent. He's got a dying, like, I believe, sister or daughter, and she's she's going to die. He needs the money for the treatments for her illness. Please, Speed, you have to just throw this one race so this guy can get his life on track and save the life of his family member. And Speed Racer thinks for just a brief moment and goes, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to win this race because that's the right thing to do. Throwing a race is wrong, but me winning is right. And then when uh, Trixie protests, he just turns off the radio on her because he's tired of hearing about that. And what happens at the end of the race? He wins the race. He wins the race to doom, to doom this poor girl with the illness at the end of it and had every choice to do the right thing, but chose victory instead. And that's the kind of person that Speed Racer is. Now, let's also talk just a little bit about some of the anime physics that goes on here. Because at one point, someone threw a sword at him. He grabbed uh, the sword and then uh, out of midair. He caught the sword, and then the person threw a second sword at him. He slapped the second sword out of the air, flew up in the air, and landed on a table, because it was in like a, a cabaret of some kind, and shattered a plate. So it had enough momentum on it to break dishware and embed itself into the table. So he is not just a great fighter hand-to-hand. -hand. He's a great fighter with weapons as well. He shakes off punches easily. If this comes down to the two of the, the humans fighting each other, which I think it probably will after both cars are inevitably wrecked to a certain point, I don't see how Michael Knight can overcome Speed Racer in that particular case. I've seen Speed Racer, Speed Racer get punched square in the face, take a step back, wipe his face slightly, laugh and go, oh, I thought you had more than that, and just start wailing on him. Why? Speed Racer is a sociopath. He doesn't feel things. <laughs> his helmet is bulletproof, but I don't even know that it needs to be. Because I'm not sure he would feel bullets that hit him. At one point, he was uh, chased against the edge of a pit. A guy stuck a sword down to try to stab him. He used palms and he grabbed the sword by his palms, pulled himself up out of the pit, and then beat the crap out of this guy who was twice as big as him. That's who Speed Racer is. He's not bothered by people dying around him because, shockingly, people are getting murdered right, left, and center all over Speed Racer. In the opening theme song of Speed Racer, one of his car-driving opponents flies through a barricade off a cliff and dies in a fiery explosion, and the next shot is like him smiling, being like, Yeah! He's crazy! He's a crazy person, and he will stop at nothing to achieve uh, ultimate victory. <laughs> He defeated a group of enemies in hand-to-hand -hand combat, I believe four of them, while holding a pineapple. Didn't even use the pineapple. He's just a crazy person walking around with a pineapple, kicking butts and taking no names because he doesn't care because everyone around him doesn't have a name. They're an NPC and they're just going to die right and left. Look, at the end of the day, 
I would make the argument that Michael Knight, the person, is completely being carried by Kit the car. Whereas the Mach 5 is a wonderful vehicle, but it's being carried by the great driving and tactical know-how and sociopathy of Speed Racer. And when it comes down to who's got the will to get this thing done, I'll go with the sociopath every single time, especially one that can't be hurt. And that's my point number three. What'd you say? Sociopathy? Uh, I don't do repeat performances. That's fair. All right. Well, lots unpacked there, right? I really love the fact that he could fight people while holding fruit. That's just a, it's, a key point. It's one of the craziest visuals I've ever seen. I wasn't expecting to see. It's sort of like that moment in that Fast and Furious movie where Jason Statham is fighting a whole bunch of people on an airplane while holding a baby. Except it's him with a pineapple in a cave kicking all these guys' butts. It's incredible. The show's amazing. Fantastic. So here's the thing. So I definitely agree that there's a, there's definitely something unhinged about Speed Racer. And that plays right into everything Michael Knight and Kid are all about. Listen, taking on psychopaths, that's what he did every episode. Lit- almost literally, by the way. And, you know, the great thing about psychopaths, two things, actually. They rarely see themselves as the villain, which kind of makes sense for how Speed Racer did things. Right? He never saw himself as the bad guy. He's like, I'm the great guy, even though that person died and all I had to do was throw the match. But no, I'm the good guy and good guys. You know what I mean? That's so it kind of tracks and explains a lot. But also psychopaths are very single-minded and they don't always see everything around them. And they're very easily manipulated when you play into their narcissism and play into their mindset. And that's actually a really cool fact, by the way. So all this works really well for Michael Knight and Kit. And let me get to my point number three while I'll illuminate all of this. Now, let's talk about big wins and let's talk about psychopaths. So that big semi-truck you're talking about, that truck had a name. It was called Goliath. And Goliath was driven by this Michael Knight lookalike. It was actually who Michael Knight was literally modeled after. And, of course, it had the perfect psychopath name. What do you name a psychopath? Garth. Garth, the Michael Knight lookalike psychopath, was driving Goliath, this huge semi that was treated with the same molecular bonding that gave the durability to Kit, except this was a semi-truck in the form of, like, an Optimus Prime type of truck. And, of course, it had missiles. Now, Kit actually came back and defeated Goliath. And see, we're talking about the kid who's got all of this experience and defeat all these things. Now, how did he defeat Goliath? Real simple. He analyzed Goliath for weak spots, and Michael, you know, they found it. It was a quarter-sized little lug nut that, can, you know, connected the tractor trailer to the actual truck. He used a laser to take that apart, in a real, you know, while moving, hit that quarter-sized thing. And then uh, as they're going through, he then hits him with another laser as they're playing chicken, barely gets out of the way, hits him with that laser, and then that destroys the truck, starts smoking, and blows up. So that's one win for Michael Knight and Kit and one loss for an Optimus Prime looking evil vehicle. Okay, keep that in mind. Here's another fun one. There's something called CAR, which stands for Knight Automated Roving Robot. This was a twin to Kit. It's kind of like Data and Lore from Star Trek, except CAR was actually created, I believe, before Kit had a malfunction with his personality and became like an evil kind of psychopathic CAR. Sound familiar? So... Car, you know, started destroying everything, and it kind of came down to a showdown between Kit and Car. So, of course, what did what did Kit do? Kit lured it in, played chicken with it, got out of the way, hit it with, you know, you know, started doing some cool stuff. Car starts shooting a laser at it. Kit said, "Got a strategy." Michael's like, "No worries, I got this." Made his window opaque with this cool lining they just put in, which ricocheted the laser back at Car, damaged a little bit. Car's like, "Fine, I'll take you on by driving right at you." They drive right at each other, turbo boost each other in the air. And car lands in a thousand pieces in a fire and mess. Kit lands perfectly fine. Now, why is that important? Because guess who voiced car 
That's Peter Cullen. Well, guess who Peter Cullen is? It's the voice of Optimus Prime. That's two losses for Optimus Prime, thanks to what Kit did. Starscream, you keeping track? Let's keep going. Now, this one has nothing to do with Optimus Prime. He took on that juggernaut tank I just mentioned, and that tank was taking on uh, Kit, and Kit came back with that you know really cool new speed thing increase, and Michael was like, uh-oh, we got to take this thing on. It's destroying everything. And Kit's like, we don't have our molecular bonded coating anymore, Michael Knight. What are we going to do? Michael's, and he's like, I don't think we should take, there's no weak spots. Michael Knight's like, I got this. He takes him down a road. Oil slick makes the thing slip off. They both go in the same direction of a gasoline tanker. Turbo boost out of the way. Kit's fine. The tanker slams into that big oil tanker, blows up in a fire mess. Another win for Kit. Spiritually, another win against Optimus Prime. I'm just going with that. Look, each time Kit used strategy and Michael Knight, strat tactics, positioned their opponent in exactly the right spot in order to take advantage of some weaknesses. Each time they faced off against either a driver of the vehicle or the vehicle itself being a psychopath, single-minded, Bent on destruction, bent on you know self-preservation, taking you out, and Michael Knight and Kit figured out ways to use that against them each and every time. So here's how I see this fight going. The team of Kit and Michael Knight, affectionately known as Knight Rider, they encounter Speed Racer in the Mach 5. They drive around each other, close proximity to fill each other out. While this is happening, Kit is using all of his advanced tech to analyze the Mach 5 and see everything it could do when it's inside places and all its weapons. Michael Knight, meanwhile, is playing mind games with Speed Racer, something he's done many times, by the way, with numerous villains he's faced. Kit and the Mach 5 trade shots, run each other, high speed. They're racing the distance, still filling each other up. Kit uses AI and tech. You know, um, to to magnify the microwaves through, get the brake fluid going, stopping him. And then he shoots tear gas at him. But then Speed Racer says, I got this, and kind of activates that button. The canopy comes over. And he's like, I'm protected from your 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 uh, tear gas, which is exactly what Kit wanted to have happen. Because then he uses his advanced AI, electromagnetic pulse, and locks, just like he unlocked the handcuffs, locks the doors of the Mach 5, locks Speed Racer inside, dis, you know, takes out his brakes, takes away his driving capability, and gets the win that way. By the way, that played out in a couple episodes of Knight Rider. That's something he's done. And that's just one of thousands of ways that Knight Rider and Michael Knight can use their strategy, use their advanced tech, and use the psychopathic tendencies of Speed Racer against him to actually get the win in this battle. That's my point number three. I mean, exciting, exciting nonsense that you're throwing at us right now, James. Of course, <laughs> I mentioned before, Speed Racer's car is much more analog, so it doesn't have those computer systems to take advantage of taking over, taking over the uh, the locks uh, and, and what have you. And, and also, like some of the things, like the brake fluid uh, heating up, and then the taking over the car. Why didn't he just do that to the tank? Why didn't he just do that to the giant semi truck? I mean, like it's obviously not something that's one of his go-to maneuvers. Potentially, was only a one-off that he did in one episode at certain points. So I have a hard time seeing if he did defeat these other bigger vehicles that way that he's not going to do it here because the way that you described him defeating all those other vehicles basically completely revolved around the fact that those people driving those vehicles weren't the level of driver that speed racer was oh he was able to drive it into an oil slick and hit the button to jump over it turbo boost whatever well mach 5 could also do that whereas the tanker could not whereas the 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 uh, giant truck could not do those things so with a great driver i think michael knight's uh, strategies are nerfed like that and by the way mach 5 is going to hit you like a truck we established in anime physics it doesn't seem to take damage when it goes straight through boulders steel doors or other vehicles in fact it crushes them leaving them out the way uh, and also single-minded focus i agree with you speed racer is single-minded focus is victory nothing's going to stop him from victory. He sees all the angles and he's going to figure out how to achieve victory just like he did in like 52 episodes of the Speed Racer TV show. How it's actually going to go out. 
is these two cars are going to go around. They're going to kind of ram each other a few times. They're going to try to shoot devices. Kit's going to try to do some, some of his kit stuff, uh, some of the gadget speed racer, and they're just going to spar back and forth a little bit with nobody really getting over. This is going to go into a giant game of chicken. And these two cars, just like you said with Cat, they're going to be driving right at each other. They're going to both boost up in the air, speed boost at the same time. The difference is, just like we saw with the missile, just like we saw with the truck, the tank, the Mach 5 is going to hit a lot harder than Cat will, and it's going to destroy the Knight Rider car, but Mach 5 is going to be ended up on its side, so Speed Racer can't drive it anymore because that's just how it works. That's as damaged as that car has ever gotten, which leads to Michael Knight versus Speed Racer, mano a mano, fighting each other without the cars, and when that happens... Uh, Michael Knight's going to rely on his green beret training. He's going to try a lot of chokeholds, a lot of nerve moves, a lot of punches, kicks. But Speed Racer is a physical specimen who's a master of, of all these martial arts. And he's going to punch Michael Knight two or three times. And that's going to be enough to put him out with the super strength and the super speed. That's how this is actually going to play. Oh, so much wrong with that. So much wrong with that. Anyway, with that being said, Frank, you've heard th three points from Ray. You've heard three points from me. Now it's time for you to make a decision. Take us through your process. Take us on a journey and tell oh us who wins this fight between Knight Rider and Speed Racer. I can only really uh, uh, go by what you tell me. And I am forgetting everything that I know and how I feel about Speed Racer. And I am now faced with a sociopath. I'm faced with a person who is only concerned about winning at all costs, which is dangerous but it's also sloppy. So the problem that we have here is that you've got two against one. The Mach 5 doesn't even enter into it after a certain point, because unless you're actually going to get the people out of their cars, if they think that's an intelligent move to do, they're not going to do that. And is Michael Knight going to allow himself to leave the car? Is he ever going to leave Kit? While Kit is analyzing the weak spots of this other car, Michael Knight is analyzing the weak spots of the human inside of it. Because I'm assuming they have some sort of communication here. Otherwise, why, why are they even in this pit? So I think it's going to be a knockdown, dragout fight. I think that devices are going to be used and, and maybe somebody's wheels are going to be on a weird spring at some point and drive over the other person, or who knows? Or maybe that's Inspector Gadget. But in the end... Michael Knight and Kit, the tag team, two against one, wins the battle. Oh, and there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I didn't know where you were going with this for a while. I had no idea. Actually, I knew exactly where you were going with it. The moment <laughs> we talked about psychopaths and we talked and race our positioning. That's what did it. You know, speed racers. Maybe he is an evil guy. I heard the mm. tonality in your voice, Frank Todaro. You are mm. someone who loves the hero. <laughs> and I, I had I had no choice. I'm like, I think that's where I got to go. With that being said, I actually agree with your decision 100%. It's not an easy win. This may be Kit's and Knight Rider's most horrifically powerful and dangerous opponent. They're not coming out of this fight the same the way they went into it, but they're definitely getting the win. Frank Todaro, you are a delight, a national treasure. You are fantastic. With that being said, Ray Sicanis, how do you feel right now? I mean, that is utterly one of the most disappointing uh, uh, judgments that I've ever heard in the history of the show. The idea that Kit the Car can just manipulate uh, physical handcuffs, with like, that doesn't even make sense on any level using microwave beams. Get out of here with your sloppy pseudoscience. Anything from Speed Racer would romp all over that. 
10 ways to Sunday and all the ways that you just described that he would defeat Speed Racer, he didn't seem to figure out how to do against anybody else on his show of any merit whatsoever. So I don't understand why suddenly uh, he figures it all out just for this one battle when he's never done it before. Frank, you talk about (laughs) sloppy. I think that decision was sloppy. Frank, was it the Optimus Prime references that did it for you as well? Oh, no, I hate that guy. He owes me 17 bucks. <laughs> he's not paying you, by the way. He's not paying you. I know. He's, he's shining up the uh, matrix of leadership with that. Let's All right, uh, Frank, I got to tell you, we love having you on the show. I can't wait for the fans, the Legion of Audience, to hear all about this. And again, congratulations on Cuphead and Mugman being on. The, I, you, this episode that I watched, I actually, truth be told, I had to stop myself at one episode because I didn't have the time to, like, I rarely binge watch anything. This is a binge-worthy show. It is that incredible. Everyone needs to watch this with your family. Promote the heck out of this. With that being said, Frank Todaro, tell everyone where they can find you online. Oh, they can find me. Uh, website franktodaro.tv. Twitter is franktodaro.vo. F. Todaro on Instagram. Uh, I think Facebook is Frank Todaro Voice or something like that. Make them all different. Super complicated. It's awesome. <laughs> Very cool. All right, Race to Canis. <laughs> I got to tell you, you brought a lot of great stuff to Speed Racer. Again, I wasn't that familiar with the character. I thought it was just some teenager driving a car really well. And boy, was I ever wrong. You illuminated that. You did a great job with today's battle. Came up a little bit short, but still a worthy attempt. A for effort, Race to Canis. Please tell the Legion of Audience where they can find you. Well, first off, I just want to say that I feel a sickness I feel a sickness deep inside my body. At first, I thought it was the dreaded virus, but I realized, no, I had that a few weeks ago. It can't possibly be that again. That's not how the science works. It turns out that that sickness eating away at my insides is the empty hole where this victory was supposed to fit inside me. Speed Racer is clearly the better character. Mach 5 is clearly the better car. Anybody listening to this episode has already come to that conclusion for themselves. And the problem with the Who Would Win show is at the end of the day, I can convince 100% of the masses out there of every single thing that I'm saying, but I have to convince the one person in this room who has all the power. I would make the argument, and I will make the argument today, that the people in the audience of who would win should have the right to veto any of James' victories by a standard 40% majority decision. I think if we put it to the people and 40-plus percent of them say Ray should have won, we reverse the decision. I believe this should be new policy of the show. The people at home, what I'm trying to say is your vote matters. And your vote matters on Patreon. We're going to be putting up a special vote for the fifth and final battle of Mainstream March Presents the 1980s versus Everybody. And you will get to pick the 1980s character we use in the finale. Hint, hint, it will be repped by James. I promise you that right now. So you guys get to pick the lamb to the slaughter as I nail down a victory in Mainstream March once again. You can find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. Go to our patreon.com slash who would win show. One dollar gets you these videos and you're going to want to see. You're going to want to see this third degree <laughs> video. I got things to say to Frank Todaro and they might not be safe for work. A lot of bitterness there. Uh, Ray Sicanus, uh was also here tonight along with uh, everything else. Uh, I got to tell you, these shows, these episodes, even when I lose, I'm having so much fun. Thank you, Frank Todaro. Ray Sicanus, I'm even going to say thank you to you. You know why? 
Because it makes you angry, and I love it. With that being said, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gavs. You remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group, almost at 10,000 members strong, by the way. That's pretty cool. To make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and be part of our growing community, you can also find us on Instagram at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Ray Sicanis, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash show right now. Okay, got to prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. Hi, I'm Kevin Goatee. Hey, I'm Kevin Israel. We host Gutting the Sacred Cow, the best and most unique movie debate podcast out there. Why? Because we invite our guests to pick a film that they find overrated or hate and try to convince us to see their argument. They must pick a film that is a financial success, widely beloved, or critically acclaimed. That's right. Some of the films our guests have tried to eviscerate, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Pulp Fiction, Ghostbusters. You can find us on all podcast platforms like Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. And if you want to watch our smiling faces, we're also on YouTube. GuttingTheSacredCow.com is where you find all of our information. And we look forward to our guests infuriating you when they attack your favorite films. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.